things, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, July 17th. My name, of course, is Javier Reyes, your host of this year's Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions or comments or concerns you might have, as well as the Gmail, which is LockdownPirates at gmail.com. And I'll do my very best to answer them, and sometimes even answer them right here on the show. And for today's show, guys, as prophesized, as predicted in the the grand catacombs of previous episodes of the podcast, it is part two of the roast of Eric Hosmer. That's right, the roast continues, and this time I'm being joined by Mr. Ryland Styles of Locked On Royals to talk about Hosmer and his perspective on Hosmer's career, whether he really was that super like star kind of player for the Royals, or whether he wasn't necessary or not. Talking about him in general, and in honor of Mr. Hosmer's tenure with the Padres, we decided to talk about some of the worst contracts in all of baseball, our personal picks, some surprising ones in there for sure. So yeah, guys, without further ado, let's go! And everyone, now back, the second kind of act, the second person I wanted to have on in this uh, Roast of Eric Hosmer special. He is the host of Locked on Royals. Um, I've enjoyed a few Twitter interactions I've had with him as well. That's always a nice thing to have too. Is Mr. Ryland Styles? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Let's talk about Eric Hosmer. <laughs> let's do it let's cut right to the chase i love it so you know he's on the padres now you might have heard okay yeah so, i think i think I, I read that in the paper yeah Sunday. yeah yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal right so i want to know though what was your kind of overall impress impression impersonation not impersonation impression of hosmer when he was with the royals i know he was key in winning the world series for you guys how was it though? How was the Eric Hosmer experience when he was with your team as opposed to the Padres? And do you regret him kind of leaving? How, how do you feel about that whole thing? So it really goes back to before he was with the Royals because uh, you might remember that he was a part of the best farm system in baseball. You know, whenever the Royals were building up that farm system, him and Moose were really the, the two uh, faces of the franchise on on Sports Illustrated and things like that. Uh, and whenever he got called up. I mean, it was the biggest day in Rose history of my lifetime. I mean, you go back to even Alex Gordon, who was projected to be the next George Brett, and even his mm-hmm. debut was not as big as Eric Cosmer's debut. I mean, it was Eric Cosmer Day. He hadn't even played a game yet, and we already declared it Eric Cosmer Day. I mean, it was a humongous deal that he would be in Oklahoma City. He had the look of a ball player, but, you know, you, you dig into it, and, and it pretty much stops at the look. It's just it's crazy to think about it. Yeah. Alex Gordon, great. One another royal that like kind of was good though. Uh, a friend of mine who was on the the part one of this, he was a big uh, Alex Gordon fan. And I think at times maybe a, I don't want to say a controversial career, but a little polarizing in terms of some people not th- thinking he was a bit overrated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think for Gordon, I, I think if he just would have started at left field and just stayed there, it, his career looks a lot better. But because we put so much pressure on him as Rose fans uh, of him being at third base and calling him George Brett. So whenever he failed at that and made the transition, everything from there looked disappointing. But he's had a phenomenal Mm -hmm. career. I mean, uh, he's only had a few good years at the plate, but he happened to do it right when the team got good and right when the team was going to win the World Series. So you'll take that rather than having a great offensive season in your first two years whenever you're losing 100 ball games. So I think Gordon's going to have his number retired. He's going to have a statue uh, in right field. <laughs> I, I think Gordon's just fine. 
Yeah, Gordon, Gordon's just fine for sure, I think, in a lot of ways. But that's a great point. He really did have just his best years when the team got good, which is awesome. And just goes to show you, I think, sometimes the there, there's a little bit more to baseball, I think, sometimes, you know, than just uh, just eh, when the team gets better, sometimes that motivates people. I feel like Justin Verlander is one of those guys, too. I swear that guy was, like, on the brink. And then right when he got traded to the, the Astros, he came soaring back to being, like, the best pitcher or one of the best, like, three pitchers in baseball. Do you think that Eric Hosmer will have a statue placed in uh, Kansas City for the Royals? Well, some fans might want it there, but no. it's You know, Hosmer's an interesting case, and I know this is a, a roast of Eric Hosmer, but he's <laughs> he's gets elevated for really no reason, in my opinion. I think that that Royals team in, in 14 and 15, they were good because no one was a superstar. I mean, nationally, mm-hmm. no besides him looking good, he was not a superstar baseball player. And that's mm-hmm. what made the Royals team so good. We didn't we didn't have that guy. One through nine had to do their job for this team to be good. We, they, there was no uh, Trout. There was no Harper. There was no one uh, that, that could carry your lineup. You had to be good top to bottom or you're going to lose that day. Uh, and I think he played that role well. And I think he was a good leader. Uh, you know, you you look back at the Mad Dash home having the, the chutzpah yeah. to do that, <laughs> which could have gone very badly, by the way, I might yeah. add. Uh, you look at the Royals' history and – Every year, it could have gone differently, and I'm sure you can look at every postseason that way. Uh, but I mean, they shouldn't have beat the A's in the wild card game. They shouldn't have beat the Astros in the uh, ALDS. They shouldn't have beat the Blue Jays in the ALDS, ALCS, excuse me. And then with the Mets, they won in five games. You probably should have lost Game One. You probably should have lost the Mad Dash home, and that series is totally different as well. So that Royals team should be looked at as a magical run and I hate using that magical word but that's really all you can describe that run as and it should be looked at as as no one was a superstar not even Eric Cosmer uh, but mm-hmm. he had the look and he had some overrated defensive metrics and then he gets paid. <laughs> uh yeah Eric Cosmer's defense not great not great Rylan yeah. it's it's really not great well the problem is that he got that reputation in Kansas City of being a gold glove defender at first base yeah. mm-hmm. and I already don't put a lot of stock into a, a gold glove at first base but, I mean, he wasn't Billy Butler over there. I mean, he wasn't slogging around just trying to find his way. Uh, he was a good defender, but he was never an elite guy where where you need to pay for his defense. There's there's only a handful of guys at first base where you feel comfortable paying for their defense. If that's your big selling point on Hosmer, he shouldn't have gotten that big contract. I mean, he was not worth that much money uh, just for his defense alone. He's a good defender, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I view him the same way I kind of view Alcides Escobar, another Royal where and even Kevin Kiermaier to an extent where they're put in a position, you know, they, they put themselves in a bad position and they just so happen to make up for it. And, and then it looks like an amazing play, but really if you do one or two things differently, technically, you know, in your fundamentals of the, of playing the position, it's an average play, but they made it look a lot harder. And so it looked cooler. And so it gets elevated to this next status. I think Hosmer's overrated defensively. I think he's regressed defensively from that overrated position. So it's tough. It's tough for San Diego. Yeah, it's that great. How did you feel when Eric Cosby left? Like, what was your reaction? Were you at all, like, hoping the Royals gave him a contract? Or were you just kind of like, hey, enjoyed your time here, man. But, you know, good luck elsewhere. So, again, I don't want this to sound bitter like I'm piling on it. <laughs> when I got the the numbers for that contract, I literally said out loud, thank God it wasn't Kansas City. <laughs> because you, yeah. you knew that team was falling apart. I mean, again, it was a magical team. It was not a good team. Uh, that No one's going to look back at that mm-hmm. team, you know, th- those two teams that made the World Series, and say, 
well, those were historically great teams. They had a historically great bullpen, but other than that, they were not good teams. They had Jeremy Guthrie starting humongous games in the postseason. Jeremy Guthrie in like year 11. Oh my gosh, yes. That's a name. Guthrie. Oh man. Edison Volkes was their ace. I mean, it was not, it was not a <laughs> oh, team yeah. built to last. It Did was they not, not have James Shields the year that they won? The year they won, no. But, oh, that's but right. They, they had him. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, what a weird, weird team where but they I, I mean, some people for Quito, were... who just fell apart. Oh, right. It, it, right, right. He had he had two good starts uh, in the postseason. So, <laughs> but, but again, he was also gone at that point with with Hosmer being again in his contract. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, this team with signing Eric Hosmer is going to do nothing uh, for this franchise, and I didn't see the point in giving him that much money for any team out there. I didn't think he would get that much money. Yeah. But the Padres wanted to make that splash, as you know. Uh, and, and they went ahead and did it. But I, I was rejoicing that, that he was gone. Uh, I would have, if we were going to sign anyone from that big three, you know, Moose, Haas, uh, and, and Kane, I would have loved Kane. Uh, but mm. ended up with a yeah. one-year deal with Moose, and then we know how his career has turned around since then. But, yeah, I, I was I was thankful that it was not in Kansas City because Kansas City has this problem with, with being emotionally invested in somebody as a mm. small market, uh, gotcha. as a regional fan base, to where I thought that they would look at, at, at Hosmer and just – view the emotional side of things rather than the baseball side of things. I'm glad that for once that didn't happen, or maybe they just got priced out. But you look at the Gordon contract, they bid against themselves and overpaid Gordon uh, just because he was the hometown kid from Nebraska that, that was in the system his entire career. I, I thought there was a chance they'd do that with, with Hosmer, but luckily for Kansas City, uh, San Diego priced him out. Yeah, luckily for them and unluckily for us, you know, <laughs> very much not so. So now, uh, that's I think this is a good point to transition into kind of one of the main things I wanted to talk about, aside from Hosmer, this still is relating to him, but it's our picks for some of the worst contracts currently in baseball right now, right? And as a surprise to no one, I personally think, yes, I do think that Hosmer's got a pretty bad one. First two years in San Diego have been not great, and I think that it's a little disturbing that there isn't, that it's it's like some people point to the home runs, right? They're like, oh, it's a 20 home run guy and whatnot. But is that just a factor of volume? It could be. He stayed remarkably healthy, but it's not like he's been necessarily that much better than if we had some platoon of other guys. You know what I mean? Which is always a bad sign. Always a bad sign when you sign someone to a mega contract. So, Ryland, who are some of your picks for guys that are heinously overpaid, guys that aren't very good and overpaid guys who are maybe good, but just a little bit tad overpaid. What is kind of some of the first names that come to mind for you? Again, Johnny Cueto. I mean, $22 million from San Francisco, a team that's going to be rebuilding Mm -hmm. uh, this year. And he's going to have a $5 million buyout in 2023. He'll get 22 the next two seasons. I mean, as a 34 year old who hasn't been productive in five years, that's just a tough, tough contract for San, uh, for San Francisco. Yeah. He's one of those guys that, I feel like he had the one year in Cincinnati where I feel like he broke out and then he had one pretty good year for the, the giants. But then besides that, it's like, has this guy really done too much? Not really. And it's, it's kind of remarkable. Actually, the the contracts that the the giants have that are kind of burning them right now, where Posey, the contract doesn't look great right now, but you know, it's kind of excusable. You know what I mean? It is Buster Posey. So at least it's like, all right, like we get it. That guy's, you know, like three-time World Series winner, won the MVP the one year in the batting title. Like, like I get that. And then they also have guys like Brandon Bell and then like the aforementioned Cueto. So weird position that the Giants are in, rebuilding. And then they also have these kind of really, really mucky contracts to kind of deal with. I think Cespedes too. I mean, depending on what his health yeah. situation is. And, and he's absolutely 
he's gearing towards playing this season. We'll see how long that that lasts. I mean, $30 million and, and, and you know, just as much as he's getting paid as a 34 year old uh, that can't stay healthy for this, you know, period of time here. And now if you want to play the opposite side as a Mets fan, um, you, you look at what he did his first few years. He's played yeah. over hundred games up until, up until these last two seasons. And it just so happened that he gets hurt back to back. This has not been a career long thing. It's just been a short-term thing, but we'll see if he can turn that around. But that Cespedes contract is getting worse and worse by the day to me. Yeah, the Cespedes thing, I feel bad for the Mets fans because this is one of those things where I can't imagine how annoyed that fan base would have been if they didn't bring him back. Because, you know, people don't remember now, but he kind of basically carried that team to the World Mm -hmm. Series, at least offensively. Like, he was amazing. Like, I, I think people forget, like, he was absolutely, it was like kind of the Padres equivalent was like a Chase Headley type of second half. You know what I mean? He was great for them. So I kind of feel bad because if they lost him after that, it would have been the most, like, Mets thing ever. You know, or like, I remember the Knicks, if they lost Jeremy Lin, <laughs> yeah. where it's like, oh, man, like, they were just devastated because he became, like, practically a hero for that, that city for a period of time. And same thing with Cespedes to a degree. But now, I mean, it's gone so far south for them and kind of quickly, too. In, in the grand scheme of things, I understand why they gave him the deal. It's a little bit understandable, at least, versus some other deals that I don't understand when, why they were given. It's understandable, but it really has just backfired them in every way. And you look at that contract, too. Not only do you have the miraculous run in the city that he got signed to, which is always huge, and it's always going to elevate your status, but he had a good, he had a great career. Who could have predicted that he'd get hurt on a farm? I mean, it's just, he's had a lot of bad luck in there. So that's why I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see what happens this year. If he still can't get on the field consistently this season, though, that's one of the worst contracts in baseball because you you would then mm-hmm. project that he'd never be on the field again for the Mets. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's crazy because the Mets, they're, they got like some sleeper buzz. Maybe that's just New York media propagating them up a little bit too much. I don't know. It could be. It happens every now and then where people get super excited about the Mets and then they win, lose like two games and everyone's like, oh, yeah, we were terrible. We told you we were going to be terrible. We're the Mets. It's like this weird like defense mechanism <laughs> for them. Um, another one that I'd like to throw out there is it's it's an honorable honorable mention i mean it's only based on one thing and it's not based on how good he is at all i just want to give a quick shout out to bryce harper and a 13-year deal that's all i want to do i'm not saying he's bad i actually think his first year in philly is a little bit underrated actually um and and that that walk-off grand slam was awesome i saw that when i was in atlantic city it was freaking awesome oh my gosh like i saw the the highlight of it oh my god what a great great moment underrated not underrated player He's like overrated in a sense because I think casual fans think he's like the number two to try out in the league like for years, but he hasn't been. But I think he's underrated in the sense that he's not bad though. Like I th- just because he hasn't been this, he hasn't replicated that one god tier like Omega nuclear season that he had with Washington. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. I do just find the idea of a 13-year contract always ludicrous and I always want to shout that out. But for a real contract that definitely isn't great, um, I want to give a shout out to a guy who scarred me. I think every now and then, if everyone's played fantasy baseball, they've had a guy that they've drafted, right? That's just emotionally kind of scarred them. And for me, that's Jordan Zimmerman. Okay. So Jordan <laughs> Zimmerman, he's ever since this happens, I also had Justin Upton too, although Justin Upton recovered, but the, the it's a good example of why I am officially from now on always fearing guys coming from the national league to the american league jordan zimmerman was a borderline like ace with washington back when they had strasburg or they still have strasburg and they still have scherzer but it was like the three of them and he threw like a couple no hitters i think 
and his last season with the Nationals, he threw no hitter. Then he comes to Detroit. Detroit's like final last hurrah. They bring over Upton. They bring over Zimmerman. And Zimmerman pretty much from day one was a disaster. And it kind of maybe came out of nowhere. I don't know. I assume that there's maybe some numbers that support that he wasn't going to transfer that perfectly. But that contract is, I think, low-key, one of the worst in baseball, probably one of the worst pitching um, contracts in baseball. I just, oh, my God, man. (laughs) I mean, poor the Tigers literally have nothing to look forward to. And it sucks that even the big guy that they're paying a lot of money to is a disaster. Yeah, they they have nothing, you know, on the major league level right now, but they they put together a lot of good pitching in the in the minor leagues and a good farm system sure. there. But you know, going back to Harper even, I, I like that you said overrated and underrated because he's he's gotten the unfair treatment from from the start of his career really, from getting put on Sports Illustrated like 16 to to now I, I think that casual fans are right mm-hmm. still view him as that number two guy rather than Mookie Betts or someone like that and I think diehard baseball fans want to have this smart take and want to feel like they're really going out on a limb and saying he's bad and, and he's not bad I yeah mean, it, it, it can't it neither one of those are correct by any means those are those are two far extremes uh, and he really lines up in the middle he's a, he's a top 10 ball player really good really good guy uh, I mean, he's a bad rap for some of the on the field stuff he's done. A really good guy, mm-hmm. and then also you look at what he's trying to build here in Philadelphia, and it's gotten it's gotten kind of construed because the Nationals won a World Series, which yeah. again, like the Royals, shouldn't have happened. Probably, I mean, what kind of you know that would have happened in a sixty game season, obviously, but you know that turnaround is just magical. I mean, how do you turn that season around? Like nine times out of ten, you don't turn that season around, and then the the sliding uh, miss in the wild card game. I mean. Ha- that does not happen mostly, and if one thing goes wrong for the Nats, we don't view that as a failure for Bryce Harper, I don't think, in that first year in Philadelphia, because he always said it's going to be a 13-year, whatever-year deal. There's no trade clause. There's no opt-outs. We're going to build something in, in Philadelphia. He never said they are going to win last year, and, and no mm-hmm. one should have thought they were going to win last year. Uh, and then you see them go out and get Wheeler this, this offseason and start to build that core up. Uh, <laughs> I think that Harper gets it unfair from both sides because – the side overrating him does him no favors for the baseball fans who get annoyed by that. Uh, but yeah. the side, you know, the diehard baseball fans who are saying he's terrible uh, are, are ridiculous as well. I agree. I agree. I think that there are some people who are trying to have like that smart, haha, actually that thing that is, is talked about. It's bad. Like they're trying to do yeah. that, that hot take thing. It really is unfortunate. And I think, yeah, people forget also too, like, all right, the counter to the nationals winning without him. The other counter is like, Dude, they wasted his best year. I mean, every player on that team had a down year from Desmond to Zimmerman to uh, Ryan Zimmerman. You know what I mean? Like every person on that Adam Eaton, I think, was on. Maybe he was on the team. I don't remember. But like everyone on that team just kind of fell apart. Like it's amazing how little just based off talent that that team needed to do when you add in the Harper season for them to have at least made the playoffs. Like that was such a disaster that season. And it's, it's just a shame that they wasted that season. And then they, they somehow win the world series without him, not his fault. I think he's really, um, I'm pro Bryce Harper. I think that he's exciting. And I think that ever since he got into the league, he's been exciting. Yes. He has a little, a couple like kooky things that happen every now and then, but for the most part, I still think that he's, he's a, a good indicator of what I think baseball kind of wishes a lot of its superstars were. Yeah, I know this isn't mm-hmm. a Bryce Harper podcast, but yeah. that, that's the thing too. I don't know why as baseball fans we're so – we constantly tear down guys like Harper who could elevate the game, who are funny, who do say wacky things in the media that could get you know a Twitter buzz the same way a Russell Westbrook does. 
Uh, right. I mean, those those clippable moments like clown question, bro, things like that, the <laughs> hair flip. I mean, the things that he does, the bat flips, the sprinting around the bases on a walk off, things like that could grow the game if we would just accept it and view it as a positive instead of saying, oh, what a jerk that Bryce Harper is. That doesn't make him a jerk. He's just playing the game with some passion for once. But like you said, this is a Bryce uh, Bryce Harper <laughs> podcast. So let's try it. I'm going to try and bring it back around and talk about some other contracts. Um, one that I got to throw out there. Um, I know I don't think they're technically paying him now. I'm pretty sure they're not. But Jacoby Ellsbury, it is. Look, and this was back when I was still very much in my Yankee fandom days. Right, this contract happens, and it's always a bad side every single time. What everyone's like, huh? Is this like, huh? Like, really? It's always a bad sign when people are wondering why you gave this person a big contract. And almost everyone is like, yeah, this isn't going to turn out good at all. He basically has one pretty okay season with the Yankees, and then he becomes an injury nightmare. And the real guy that ends up being their, not premier outfielder, but their outfielder is Brett Gardner, who's one of my favorite like baseball players, by the way. Fun fact. Um, and they basically got him on a discount. The Ellsbury thing is kind of hilarious because it felt like a desperation offseason. The same offseason that they get McCann, I believe. They get Masahiro Tanaka, who, um, shout out to him. He's recovering well for everybody who's familiar with what happened to him. Uh, like on like July 3rd, I think it was, which was nuts. And I think it was this desperation play by the Yankees to come back from such a losing season and just sign the best available players. But it was a really kind of eh free agent class that year. Everybody knew you got to wait till the next year, but they, that's what happens when the Union Yankees sometimes, and they wasted the money on Ellsbury. I'm sure that they recovered just fine. They are the Yankees, but oh boy, that one was bad. Aside from the time that he stole home plate, I believe, really bad contract all the way around. And shout out Chris Davis, dude. $23 million yes, from, yes. from 2020 to 2022 for really doing nothing in Baltimore. I mean, that's <laughs> and then kind of like what you're saying, I mean, he, he was one of my favorites as well because uh, being in Oklahoma, the, the AAA team here uh, used to be owned by Texas. So, I mean, you know, Chris Davis, Ellis Andrews, Ian Kinsler, uh, Nelson Cruz, all those guys came through Oklahoma City. So get, getting to watch them up close uh, was really awesome. And and I really liked him whenever he was exploding in Texas. And then he goes to Baltimore and just sadly for them, you know, has like two or three good years and then just falls mm-hmm. off the face of the earth. But unlike the Ellsbury, uh, unlike some other contracts, I think that I can kind of look Chris Davis. It was a bad contract. But I mean, it was justifiable at the time, I think. Yeah, it was a little justifiable. And also, they didn't know that he was going to have a, a war of negative three. You know what I mean? Like, that's like you're like breaking records with how bad this guy is. I don't I don't think people they were like, oh, he's going to be more like that guy to war. You know what I mean? Like, that might be one of the things where he's batting like 230 with 30 home runs. Right. That's like that might be like one of the bad case scenarios. And he never gets on base. Nobody thought he was going to have entire like 30. What was it last year? The 30 game streak. Like, I don't think people thought he was going to be that bad. And anyone who thought he was going to be that bad, like, relax. You know what I mean? Just just hold your horses. You didn't predict it. I feel a little bit bad because while I don't think the contract was the best decision at the time, I, there's no way I think people could have predicted that he was going to be this atrocious. It's like it's like to the the other end of it to throw in a football analogy. It's like people who are like, "Wow, you know, remember with the 21st pick that the the Texans didn't take um, some uh, like uh, Patrick Mahomes." I'm stuttering a lot. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. It's like guys like yes, 
the Mahomes thing, looking back, is bad, but I don't want to listen to anybody who knew that he was just going to be the best quarterback we've ever seen. So just relax about that. You know what I mean? Like, you can't ever predict best ever or worst ever type of things, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Mahomes thing, being in Kansas City, is, of course, <laughs> yeah. a, a great subject to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know, I just I wanted to be nice and bring him in here for you. <laughs> yeah, anytime, there's, anytime there's a Patrick Mahomes conversation, I'm glad to have it. But shout out Eric Cosmer, you know, negative, negative 0.2 war. So... <laughs> So decent. Not great. And then other contracts, just to quickly shout out, it feels a little mean to say this, but uh, just why shout out Ia Desmond, just because, um, <laughs> you know, not uh, look, everyone praised him for his comments. And I think that they were, it was justifiable and all that, but it's kind of amazing that he hasn't played enough for them. And that thing just doesn't look like it's heading in the right direction. Even though a lot of people expected as everyone expects with Colorado players for the offensive numbers to just hit, have an absolute boom really hasn't happened for Desmond. And also got to give um, some shout out to Will Myers who, you know, Hey, look, <laughs> he's, or Rose top prospect Will Myers. Yeah. Bad. Like I look the Hosmer thing. And this is the Rose of Eric Hosmer thing. That one to me felt like at the time, everyone was like, what are you doing? The Will Myers one was more of a like, eh, I disagree with that. I don't think you guys should do that. And there is a difference. Myers, I mean, it's like a 27-year-old dude. He's a former rookie of the year with the Tampa Bay Rays, and he basically just has that one bad season where he's hurt. And then he comes, you get him kind of at a discount for the Padres. I forgot what they gave up for him, but or maybe they gave up a lot for him. So don't quote me on that. I forgot who they gave up. Oh, maybe. No, it was it was uh, Trey Turner. So yeah, never mind. They did give up a lot for him. But I do think that, you know, you look at it and you say, hey, 28 home runs, 28 steals. He's kind of like that two-way type of offensive player. It's not totally, you know, reprehensible that you were like, hey, we unlocked him. He's a former Rookie of the Year guy. There's a reason why there's hype for him in the first place. And now we're getting him for the future. I can, it's, it's a little bit more defensible, I think. But still, it's definitely not a contract that looks great for them as he is basically a platoon guy at this point. Yeah, I, I always feel bad for Will Myers because he did have that great season with Tampa and then, of course, he, he was a guy that was hyped up for, for Kansas City, but ultimately netted back James Shields and Wade Davis, who became you know the best closer in the history of baseball. So it it, was, <laughs> it all worked out for Kansas City, I think. Absolutely. If Hosmer you... ever leans into launch angle, you might be singing a different tune with Hosmer. Yeah, exactly. That's what I talked to my friend <laughs> about before. It's it's pretty incredible. Hey, change your batting stats. Just edit your mechanics a little bit. If Brandon Crawford on the Giants could do it, then I think you can too, Mr. Hosmer. Um, but on that note, Rylan, do you have any last people you want to shout out uh, for worst contracts in baseball? Do you have any last Royals propaganda that you want to get out? Any other things that you would like to plug? Boy, I, I've been I've been all aboard the watch out for the Royals in the sixty game season train because back in <laughs> back in back in January I called them last year's Rangers, and if you look at last year's Rangers in sixty games, they were in the postseason. So we'll see if that can go on. But I will say this for San Diego. I love that team. I really do. Thank you. Eric Hosmer aside, I love that team. I love Tommy Pham. He was mm-hmm. awesome for the race last year. It's a huge reason why that team was so successful. I think that this is finally the year. We've been saying it. Well, at least I have been saying it for like two seasons. Hey, this is the year. This is the Padres' year. I think this really is the year the Padres get to the wildcard game. And then from there, as you've seen in Kansas City, once you get in the wildcard game, anything can happen. So I'm rooting for San Diego. I truly am. And we'll see how that all transpires here in the next couple of of weeks, you know, the next 10 weeks. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And you can check out Locked on Rose if you're just so enamored with the Kansas City Royals for some reason. 
for some reason it's a good point <laughs> if someone's uh listening to this but still uh violet it was a uh, super fun to have you on and uh yeah eric hosmer not great right now hopefully he gets better yeah hopefully all right i'll see you later man yeah and that is it everyone the roast of eric hosmer i declare it finished that is right everyone the roast has been completed we destroyed this man but still even with all that said Still hoping that he has a great season and whatnot. I hope I wasn't too mean. You know, I'm sure he's a nice guy, everybody. But with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than that may be better. <laughs> that was weird. That may be better than the Padres themselves. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And if you guys would do me a favor and check out the Lockdown MLB podcast, which is hosted by my man Sully. And what episode did he have? What episode does he have cooking up for you guys today? Well, it is a good one, ladies and gentlemen. He's talking about baseball tangents. That's right. What does that even mean? I don't know. The rule of seven? Sports memories, how they're formed. This guy's great. He talks about Brad Cashman. It's incredible. It's it's incredible. I'm sure he was very, very objective and fair about a Yankees GM. I'm sure that Sully was super objective. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. But seriously, guys, go check that out. Sully's awesome. And until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care.